Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cutting Chai Stories, where the episodes are short and sometimes sweet, just like the half servings of milky tea we call Cutting Chai back home in India. I'm your host, Chaiti Vora. Today, I want to talk to you about headlines and subject lines. The episode is a little longer than usual, but that's because there's so much good stuff in here. So get cozy, pick up a pen and paper, because I know you're going to want to take notes. Now, it should go without saying, but coming up with strong headlines and subject lines is really, really important because they're the first thing your audience sees. If your email subject line doesn't grab a reader, guess what? Off you go to trash. If your blog or article or webpage headline seems boring, click. Your reader has shut the page or switched to playing Candy Crush on their phone. Headlines used to be the bane of my existence as an editor. I remember when I was at Al Jazeera America, our headlines used to be super depressing. And we would print out the saddest ones and we'd put them on a corkboard we called our graveyard of headlines. I can't remember now exactly what they were, but we often covered really gloomy subjects like malnutrition in children or war victims in Afghanistan or prejudice against trans travelers. And so our titles used to be equally depressing, like The Flowers Are Dead or The Starving Children. I like to think I've come a long way since then. But what makes us sad is not just what it's about. And honestly, it wouldn't have been appropriate to put a falsely cheerful headline or one that made a pun on that kind of a story. But what we could have done better is have a headline that inspired some curiosity or one with a little more energy. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at a real life example. I was recently rewriting the copy on the email subscription page on my website. It was super simple and I think the headline said something like, sign up for some chai in your inbox. Now, Tarzan K, she's a former copywriter for hire whose emails I love to read. She suggests that you write 30 headlines or subject lines before choosing one. So that's what I did. Now, I get it. 30 probably sounds like overkill and I won't lie. It is a lot. But as I found out from personal experience, quantity does matter. For me personally, when I wrote down my list, I struck gold at headline number 28. And I'll tell you what it is in a minute. That's because what comes out first when you're generating headlines or subject lines, what comes out easily is probably trite and boring. It's likely something you've heard before and that's why it came to you without much thinking on your part. So you don't want to do something that's boring, that's going to turn your readers off. So you have to start brainstorming and get past that hump. And then you'll start to have some more original ideas. Maybe you'll even have some that are wacky and funny and those might work. But beware of headlines that are so wacky that nobody is going to understand them except for you. Also, it might be fun to make puns or jokes, but consider whether it's appropriate to your subject matter and whether it fits your brand identity. You also want to be careful of headlines that are too clever. As an editor, I would hate clever because it usually came at the expense of clarity. If you're making your readers burn mental calories to understand what you mean, there's a pretty good chance that they're not going to click on that email or read any further. The same goes for headlines and subject lines that are so full of jargon and buzzwords that only 15 people in the world are going to understand what they mean. Okay, what else should you not try? Don't write headlines that give away everything. If you've summed up the meat of your piece in the headline, then why would somebody want to read the whole article? 
Now, I should say something here, which is that you also don't want to go too far in the opposite direction. You don't want to do a bait and switch. What's that? You know those headlines where there's a question or a reference in the headline, and that's the thing that makes you click, but the article doesn't bear it out. There are no answers that reference that. That's clickbaity and yucky, so please don't do that. On the same clickbaity list is headlines that use super overused phrases. You won't believe what happened next. Maybe they were fresh when BuzzFeed first started using them, but believe me, they got stale pretty fast. Also related are headlines that overpromise and underdeliver, like this coffee blew my mind. If you're writing an email to your list and this is your normal conversational style, a little on the melodramatic side, maybe that would work, but still I would be careful about using it too much. Because it kind of becomes like that boy who cried wolf. After a while, your readers will be desensitized to all that drama. Okay, so we talked about seven things to not do when writing headlines. Let's recap what they are. Don't be boring. Don't be overly clever. Don't use too much jargon. Don't use headlines that give away everything. Don't pull a bait and switch. Don't use cliches. And don't overpromise and underdeliver. Now let's move on to strategies you can use when writing headlines or subject lines. Try using verbs. Verbs are action words. They are dynamic. They imply movement of some sort. Remember that sad headline graveyard I mentioned earlier? The flowers are dead. Well, that describes a state of being, death. And that's pretty static. Even if what you're writing about is a lack of life, you can still be a little livelier. Even just changing dead to dying makes a difference. The flowers are dying. It's still pretty sad because face it, there's only so much you can do with those four words, but it's a little bit better. So play with verbs and see if you can liven up your headlines. Hopefully you're writing about something a little bit more entertaining than I was. Here's another strategy. Turn statements into questions. What that does is create a curiosity loop. You've asked a question, but you haven't provided an answer. And the human brain is designed to want to close any open loops. So by leaving that loop open, you are prodding your reader to click on the headline to open the email to learn the answer. This, by the way, is why Dan's Brown's books are so addictive. Remember the Da Vinci Code? I think I read it all in one breathless night. The way writers use the curiosity loop is through cliffhangers. You end each chapter with the cliffhanger and the reader cannot help but turn to the next page to find out what happens. Here's one of the top headlines on the website of New York Magazine right now. 100 teen poll, what is actually cool to buy in 2021? That creates a curiosity loop because you want to know what do teens actually think is cool these days? And then you have to click on the article to read it and find out. The same principle applies with statements. Here's another actual headline. A little mistake that cost a farmer $3,000 a year. If you work in agriculture, you want to know, what is that mistake? Am I making it? So you don't always have to have a question mark at the end of your headline to open a loop to pique somebody's curiosity. Now, if you have a punchy, eye-catching quote in your story or your email, you can definitely use that as a headline. That's one of my favorite techniques, by the way. I recently sent out an email to my list about a time when my husband was trying to shake me awake at night and I was so groggy and deeply asleep. I told him, why are you punching me? And I turned over and went back to sleep. And that made for an awesome subject line for my email to my list because everyone wanted to know, wait, you got punched? How? Why? When? By your husband? So that's a great technique to try. 
Another thing is you can be descriptive. Here's an example of that. Manga Conquers America, How Japanese Comics Are Reshaping Pop Culture. That had a colon in there, by the way. So it was Manga Conquers America, colon, How Japanese Comics Are Reshaping Pop Culture. That was an article in Wired magazine. That tells you what the article is about, but it also kind of raises a question. How is manga reshaping pop culture? So it combines two of the strategies. It's descriptive and it opens a curiosity loop, which many headlines do. Another point, by the way, in favor of using descriptive headlines is that SEO or search engine optimization loves them. So that might be a point in favor of you using them. Another kind of headline is the one that uses a list. Despite being used everywhere, that is one technique that still mostly work because people like lists. Seven ways to lose weight without exercising, 12 things you didn't know you should be doing in your emails, that specificity and that promise of a quick hit, a quick win is really enticing to people. And again, you are piquing their curiosity. What are these 12 things you didn't know you should be doing in your emails? The other kind of headline is the one that's controversial. Here's an example of one that picks a fight with Dr. Oz and also uses statistics to make a point. More than half of medical advice on Dr. Oz lacks proof or contradicts best available science. So this is a public figure. Everybody in the US knows who he is. And here you are picking a fight with him in your headline. Last but not least, and I'm going to spend some time on this because it's important, the principle of why should the reader care? This is not a technique for writing headlines per se, but it is something that you need to consider before you start writing. In journalism, we would have a line or a paragraph pretty high up in articles that we would call the nut graph. And that would answer the question, why would the reader care? So, for example, if you're a reporter writing an article about climate change affecting sea levels in Miami for a local paper, you know, maybe somebody would read it, maybe somebody wouldn't. It could feel like a pretty long timeline. Readers might be tempted to click away from it because, well, everybody knows that climate change is happening. It's affecting sea levels. What's new? Plus, it'll take so many years to happen and by then we'll all be dead. So as a journalist, you want to put something pretty high up in the piece to show the reader that they want to read this piece now. Something like, and I'm just making this up off the cuff of my head, but a new study from Climate Change University shows that unless drastic measures are taken in the next two years, 50% of Miami Beach will be underwater by the end of the decade. Now, obviously, I made everything in that sentence up, but you can see why it might be convincing to a reader in Florida to continue reading that article. That's a pretty startling finding, right? So the same principle applies when you're writing copy for your online business. And the why would readers care question is transformed into what's in it for the reader. What benefit or transformation will your product or service offer to your customers? If you do not highlight a benefit, then there's no reason for the reader to click because they don't see anything that's in it for them. Let's go back to an example here. Going back to my email subscription page on my website, when I was rewriting it, I needed to show readers why they should sign up to get my emails. After slogging through 30 different headlines, I finally settled on this one, which if you remember was number 28. Be the masala in their inbox and write emails your customers can't help sloping. Now, why did that one do it for me? Why did I choose that one? 
Well, because it's clear, not clever. Although I had some clever ones, I did not choose them. It's very clear on what subscribers get in return for handing over their email address. They learn to write emails that are really, really good. It says that my emails have masala. They're not boring, which is one of the reasons people like to read my emails. I share funny and weird stories from my life and the business lessons I learned from them. And finally, it's totally on brand for cutting chai stories. So, to recap, here are my eight strategies for writing a good headline. Use verbs. Use questions. Open a curiosity loop with statements. Use quotes. Be descriptive. Use lists and numbers. Be controversial. And finally, answer the question, what's in it for the reader? Whew, that was a doozy of an episode. But hopefully, it was also helpful and practical. I'll put the list of things to do and not to do in the show notes for easy access. If you found this episode helpful, please write a review or share it on Instagram and tag me at Jayati Vora and I will repost it or share it with a friend who can use it in their life right now. Here's your homework assignment for today. For the next piece of content you're going to write, whether it's a blog post, a sales page, an email, an article, a podcast, anything, first consider the question, what's in it for the reader? Why should the reader care? Answer that first before you start writing. Thanks for tuning in. Until I see you again next Thursday, write 30 headlines.